0: Praise the Lord Why don't we lift our hands everyone in the auditorium? Would you raise your hands up unto God one last time wherever you are? and just extend them up to God in complete surrender to Him. Extend them until your elbows aren't even breaking but you're just totally submissive to God. Hallelujah. We surrender to Jesus. Yes, Richard. Yes, guys. Hallelujah. Go ahead, Robert. We surrender to Jesus. Hallelujah. Even at home, wherever you are, just lift up your hands and surrender to Him. Hallelujah. Glory. Hallelujah. This moment is designed for surrender. Hallelujah. We bow the knees. The pandemic reminds us that we're just flesh hallelujah we're not for the goodness of god hallelujah so we just lift our hands to acknowledge him hallelujah thank you jesus glory to god i heard someone say he's worthy and he is amen Thank you, everyone. Please be seated in the presence of God as you're going down. Put your hands together for Pastor Brown, Londa, Jennifer, the worship team, Robert, Blaine, Phil, Richard, Ajay. Amen. It's wonderful worship. Welcome into the house of the Lord, everyone. Welcome online. Thank you so much for joining us this morning for worship to receive instructions from the Lord. And there is a word from God. And I'm going to invite you to get your writing utensils, your devices. We're going to go into the word of God shortly. But we always take a moment just to hear a two-minute moment of empowerment, motivation. I want you to listen to the words of Hillary Clinton as she works through failure. What happens when you think you're going to win and you don't win? Enjoy.
1: I'm going to share with you what. I- I want to share my life lessons with the hope that it might help you as you navigate your own life. I made so many gaffes (laughs) and mistakes. There are steps you can take to build confidence in yourself, to begin to trust yourself about the decisions you will make. This class is for anyone at any age who wants to think about building a life of meaning and purpose, of having a mission that captures what you're willing to stand up for. Everyone, every one of you has the ability to be resilient I've been, you know, reduced to tears. I've been frustrated beyond words, but the lesson that I've learned about getting back up after setbacks or disappointments is to first feel the disappointment. Don't pretend it didn't happen, it did. You have to authentically dig deep to get back up. I'm Hillary Rodham Clinton, and this is Masterclass.
0: How many people in this room have fallen down at some point in life? Just slip your hand, you can put it right down quickly. And you know, she's not talking something that the Word of God doesn't speak to about. The just man falls seven times, but he or she gets back up again. The word I want you to put in your notebooks for this week is resilience. And she said it best, you have to authentically decide that you're going to get back up again. And part of the difficulty of getting back up again is the people around you are telling you, stay down. (laughs) Your critics are telling you, stay down, don't get back up. The shame is too great. The guilt is too overpowering. And besides, if you get up, what are you really going to do with the mistakes that you've made? But the just man falls seven times, but he or she gets back up again. I'm going to talk to you about present Christianity. We came out of a series called Relevant Christianity. I want you to listen to these words because today I'm going to be in Genesis chapters 1 and 2 for the first section. Then I'll go to Genesis chapter 3. And then I'm going to close hopefully in Genesis chapter 4. If I get it all done today, great. If we don't, we'll take our time with it. And I guarantee you that you're going to hear some things that you've never heard before or thought about. As we talk about ways to be present in our world, present Christianity. Once we've decided that we want to be relevant, the next step is to decide how to be present in the world. To teach this well, though, I have to show you how we've gotten to be absent from the world. It just didn't start in our generation. It didn't start in our fathers. This is years and years and years of absenteeism in the making. I'm going to take you all the way back to our foreparents and show you how we abdicated our responsibility to be present in the world and then I'm going to show you some of the errors that they made that I believe we still make today that we want to avoid and then I'm going to show you the results of abdication in just a moment. So let's let's begin. This is our subject present Christianity. I'm going to talk today about the origin Of our absence why it would seem like we are not in the forefront of society whatever the industry whatever the discipline there's a seeming absence and you can see this in the world at large that we're not the drivers of thought we're not the drivers of behavior we're not the drivers of innovation we're not the drivers of entertainment We can be driven, but we're generally not driving the bus. In a lot of cases, we have taken seats on the bus, but we're not the ones driving the bus. It's really a conversation about who controls the world. Yes, we know the earth is the Lord's, but in terms of stewardship, who really controls the world? So we'll have to go from Genesis chapter 1 to 4 to make sense out of this. Let me begin by telling you something that I think is very important. Genesis chapter 1 gives us what I'm calling a macro view of creation. That's a big picture. So what God does, or the writer of Scripture, he presents the creation of the world in a very big, bold presentation. He sets it in a seven-day framework So you might understand certain things about God, the creator. One of the things he wants us to understand is number one, God is a God of order. So everything follows a particular order in creation. God is also a God of structure. So everything again is very structural. If I had the time, I would show you that God does this magnificent presentation of creation where he forms everything first. So God is never out of order. He will never fill something and then decide, it doesn't have a shape, I'll give a shape to it. What he does is he forms everything, whether it's the sky, the expanse, he forms that first before he fills it up with stars. If it's going to be the waters, he will form the waters and then logically he's going to fill up the waters with fish. If it's the dry land, he's going to form the dry land. Then he's going to fill it with cattle, beasts, and creeping things. He's a God of structure, order, and because it's seven days, he's also a God of progress. He's going somewhere. Day one leads to day two, three, four. God is progressive, never regressive. That's why we teach today that the Spirit of the Lord is moving. God is constantly moving. And the last thing that I believe the writer wants us to understand in chapter one is that God is a God of perfection. I believe that's why God uses a seven day framework because when he finishes on the seventh day and he decides to rest, the Bible said he looked at everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. It wasn't just good. The days were good. But when he looked at the whole picture, he said, it's perfect. And thus God can rest, not literally, But he can cease creation because everything is perfectly done that's chapter one but we have chapter two and chapter two seems like it doesn't make any sense because he told us in chapter one near the end going into chapter two that he was resting he had finished all his work then in chapter two he begins working again it would seem he starts planting gardens and forming a man building a woman So we've got to ask ourselves what's the purpose of chapter number two let me give you my thoughts on it chapter 2 presents a microscopic picture of the sixth day we don't get the details of that day in chapter 1 but in chapter 2 God is going to give us the details of everything he did on the sixth day and the reason why that day is important is on the sixth day comes the crown of creation the man and the woman so he's going to talk to us about the details so we find him in chapter 2 describing everything that he did on the sixth day we know this to be true because if he's not describing the sixth day he would have started working again and he told us that he had finished all his work on the sixth day listen to what God does I want you to get into his mind the Bible says God plants a garden eastward in a place called Eden I want you to follow this. The garden is not Eden. The garden sits in a place called Eden. So the garden then becomes by necessity and location the garden of Eden. That's important for you to understand. I'll teach you why that's important in a moment. It's the garden that's sitting in Eden. After God creates this garden and plants it, he then forms this man, this human from the ground, and again like i told you he's a god of forming and a god of filling once he's formed the body of this man he then fills up the man with his spirit oh the breath of life the man becomes a living soul god takes the man and he places him in the garden that's located in eden he gives him instructions i want you to dress the garden and i want you to keep the garden those two things we're going to explore in a moment as the man begins the assignment i really can't tell you what the assignment is but i don't want you to think that he takes a shovel and he takes clippers and he he's not really a gardener the way we think about it he's actually doing some things that we don't even understand today as he's doing the assignment god looks on him and says it is not good for the man to be alone Now watch the example that God does. God brings to the man all the animals that he had created to see what the man would name the animals. It's really a test of image to see whether or not Adam knows that he is in the image of God. I want you to know this Adam begins to name the animals, but don't think that he is the one that gives the names to the animals. You cannot name what you didn't create. So watch closely now. He didn't create the animals. It's a test of imaging. So what God is teaching him now is, watch Watch his intellect. You're in my image. You think the way I think. Therefore, what I have named them, I didn't tell you, but I placed it inside of you. Are you following what I'm saying? So when Adam opens his mouth and says, it's a zebra, that didn't come from him. That came from the image of God that was in him so now what he's doing is i and my father we are do you see what he's doing there so he's identifying what god already called them to be and whatever adam called them that was their name but when he finishes naming the animals an incredible feat one would ask given the plethora of animals that exist in that kingdom god then says it it, he doesn't have a compliment so God, seeing that he doesn't have a compliment, puts him to sleep. This is what the Hebrews call a tar demar. God puts a sleep on him. And as he is sleeping, God pulls out from him. The Bible calls it a rib. And then God begins to build someone for him. God brings someone to him that he has built. He recognizes the person and he calls that person woman because she was taken out of the man. And then the Bible says they were naked, they were not ashamed, and they continued thus. We have, over the years, we have called that woman Eve, haven't we? We've said, that's Eve. That's not her name. Her name is not Eve. This is going to surprise you. Can I show you what her name is to show you a great truth of the scriptures? We're in the, the beginnings, but let me show you. Male and female created he them and he blessed them and he called their name. What's her name? Her name is Adam. His name is Adam. Because she has come from him, she cannot be different from him. She is the extension of him. So he has a name. His name is Adam, which means mankind. She also has the same name. Well, you said, well, where does the name Eve come from? Well, later on, when they mess up and they sin, it is Adam that names her Eve. Can I tell you what's really going on there? Before they messed up, Adam didn't have rule over her. Listen carefully, brothers and sisters, this will help a lot of our homes. Before they messed up, Adam didn't have rule over her. They were not designed to be in a rulership submissive relationship. They were supposed to be reigning together. So their names were Adam. But when they sinned, God said one of the, uh, I guess it would be the results of sin, is that he shall rule over you. One of the signs of him ruling over her now is he applies a name to her. What you name, you can rule over. That's how she comes up with the name Eve, but her real name is Adam. I'm going to show you something very powerful. This is why when you come to the New Testament church, I want you to know that the church, the name of the church is Jesus because the church is the body of Christ it's the same analogy that's why the name of Jesus is applied to the believers lives because the church is also the same as Jesus because we rule and reign with him so this is what goes on in chapter 1 and 2 there's this dynamic happening there where you've got these two wonderful people in a garden somewhere and this is the beginning Let's talk about this. This is what God tells them. This is what he says to both of them. He says, number one, he says, be fruitful. That idea means I have blessed you with an empowerment to produce much. And I want you to know that these blessings continue today because God has not rescinded his word. Even though we have messed up, we are still empowered to be fruitful and to produce much don't be satisfied producing little when there is an empowerment on your life to produce much i hope you get that when we talk about present christianity and god blessed them said unto them be fruitful and multiply here's the second thing god then tells them as you're producing much i want you to replenish the earth now depending on who you're talking to there are people that believe that there are human beings before adam and eve i don't think so i think the scriptures do not teach that so they believe that this word replenish means put back what was there before it doesn't really mean that because there is no such word as plenish the word replenish means to fill up and specifically after your kind so as you begin to produce you're producing in the image of which you are created it was Adam's job and Eve's job because they were in listen to this carefully they were in the god kind it was their responsibility to fill the earth up with others who were in the god kind when he sinned you're going to find out that he starts producing people in his own image so what we have in the world today now is a world that's filled up with people in the fallen kind the original intention of god was for the earth to be filled up with those who are in the god kind or in the image of god So fill up after your own kind. Replenish the earth. The third thing, God says, I want you to subdue the earth. This word is interesting because in a perfect world, it doesn't seem like there's any trouble. But this is a prophetic hint that there is a possibility in this perfect world of danger. You may not know it, but I, God, am aware of it. So I'm actually giving you a hint that if you see opposition, I've given you the power to rule over it, to conquer it, and to address it. You've not seen it before, but I'm giving you heads up. Subdue the earth. In other words, conquer any opposing forces. Now this is what I want to show you. Subdue it. I want to show you this now. He then concludes by saying, have dominion, which is really all of those things. Uh, be fruitful, multiply, replenish, subdue, have dominion. In other words, steward this world on my behalf. And he tells them the exact areas that he wants them to have dominion over, over the fish, over the fowl, over the land, the air, the water, and the land. By the way, if you study any good military arrangement, you will see that these are the designations, Army, Navy, Air Force. These are the designations of how you protect something. You take care of the air, the water, and the land. Then God does this. It's this garden thing that I want to talk about. He places Adam in a garden, creates the woman in the garden. And I ask God, well, what is this garden thing? The answer comes back. Listen to this, brothers and sisters. The garden and the place called Eden was the first sanctuary that existed on the planet. It was the first tabernacle that existed. The garden was actually the holy place in the tabernacle of Eden. So I hope I'm not losing you. The garden was the holy place in the tabernacle of Eden. It was there in the garden that Adam and Adam met with God. That's why when Moses builds the tabernacle, he calls it the tent of meeting. It's where I'm going to meet with you. Well, before Moses built the tabernacle, God had a place where he met with Adam and Adam. It was called the garden. Oh, oh, this is wonderful. Because in that secret place called the garden, God would come according to the scriptures in the cool of the day and meet them there. And they would share fellowship in the holy place. I want you to think deeply. Because when God kicks him out of the garden after he sinned, God does not kick him out of the tabernacle. God moves him out of the holy place. And puts him in the outer court. Cain kills his brother in the outer court. And God moves Cain outside of the tabernacle beyond the gate. We're going to get there in just a moment. So they're in this sanctuary. They're in the holy place. There are angels there with them. God comes to meet them, and God says, when you're in this place, I want you to dress the garden. Watch this. This word dress, I told you, Adam is not a gardener cutting trees and planting trees. This word dress is the Hebrew word abad. The Hebrew word abad means to serve through worship. So when Adam goes to dress the garden, do you know how he dresses the garden? He begins to worship God in the holy place. And as he worships God in the holy place, the earth begins to produce by itself. No, listen, listen, listen. We have no idea what I'm talking about here. Because when we talk about work, we talk about sweat. We talk about labor. And we think that's what God meant. No, that came after the fall in the sweat of your face but before the fall if adam wanted to produce anything he simply lifted his hands and he began to praise god watch closely because what god is teaching him in the holy place is that it is not by might nor by power but it is by my spirit saith the lord It's an incredible place. I want to also teach you something that I need you to know. It is in this place that he is most susceptible to temptation. Because you and I are susceptible to temptation when we are successful. Not when we're failing. When we're failing, we're more prone to pray. When we're failing, we're more prone to be attentive, to reach to God. Help me, God, help me. It's when we are successful that we neglect critical things. I know this to be true because the man sins in the holy place. Satan sins in the glory place. We are most susceptible when we are successful. So God shows him, he says, these are worship spaces part of the restoration when you want things in your life and I'm not going to take away the need to work because we'll never uh, move ourselves away from that reality because of the fallen world in which we're in but when you want God to produce some things for you lift your hands open your mouth and watch dress your garden don't take worship for granted you follow what I'm saying? Don't take it lightly. Say, huh, it's just something they do on Sunday, uh, this time. No, it's how you dress your garden. It's how you produce things in your life. If you want God to move for you, if you want him to cause things to grow out of your ground, I dare you to dress your garden. Serve as a worshiper you can go home and read it for yourself the word is abad a-b-a-d to serve as a worshiper this is one of the reasons why god makes all of us worshiping priests a holy nation a royal priesthood so that in the absence of these people it does not take away your ability because he's good she's good she's good but you've got some stuff inside of you that when you're on your own you don't need him or me you've got some stuff welling up on the inside Tress your garden trust your own garden Don't complain about what you can dress. David understood this, he said, I will bless the Lord. Watch this, the devil's after me, but I'm busy right now dressing my garden. All hell is breaking loose around me, but I'm busy right now dressing my garden. Excuse me for a moment, I've got to tend to my garden. That's what God wanted him to do. Most of the times, I'm almost through because it's time's going so quickly. Most of the times we're using fallen analogies to speak to our Christianity. So we're out there. Off to work we go. I I got room for that, but it doesn't supersede this. See, when after you finish sweating, after you finish laboring, sit back rest in the Lord be of good comfort as you dress your garden he will he will he will this is what God wants us to understand and then God says to him watch as you're busy watch God took the man put him dress the gardener and keep it the second thing God says to him is uh well, I think I lost it let me go back can I go back go back Yeah, he says also keep the garden watch. So while you're worshiping, I want you to be watching because there is the potential of danger. Do you see what I'm saying? This word is the word shamar, it means to keep, to watch, to observe, to be a watchman or watchwoman. Because as you're dressing the garden, there are forces that militate against your garden because ultimately it's militating against your God. So I want you as you're worshiping to be watching. So now I'm talking about warring spaces. So the worshiper is a warrior. And the warrior is a worshiper. I feel like preaching this morning. Let me repeat that again. The worshiper is a warrior. And the warrior is a worshiper. Notice I said here, keeping gates. Remember I told you this? He's keeping the gate because there's an entrance into the holy place. Do you remember when he sinned? I, I don't have the time. I think I got a few more minutes. Yes. Watch. You remember when he sinned? God threw him out through a gate and put a cherubim at the gate. Do you know when the old testament priests approached the holy place they saw a curtain and on that curtain were cherubims they knew they were going back into that holy place this is what god wants us to know part of being present in the world is understanding worshiping spaces and warring spaces the problem with the church is we think this place is the worshiping space No, everywhere the soles of your foot tread, that's the worshiping space. And anything God has given to you, that's the warring space talk to me somebody let me repeat that again anywhere your feet tread that's the worshiping space anything god has given to you that's the warring space and if you want to know how to war for what god has given you everywhere you go i dare you to open your mouth and worship god everywhere you go that's it so uh thank you richard thank you londa i need the boost But they make a few errors. We'll do them quickly, then we'll stop. They're in this beautiful place, the holy place with God. But they make a few errors. These are the ones I want you to watch for. Thus, when you go to the book of Revelation, every error that they make, the Bible will tell you how to counter the error. Understand, Genesis is the error. Revelation is the correction. You follow what I'm saying? So watch. Here is the first error. The first error is they listen to the wrong voices. They're in the right place, listening to the wrong voices. Can I repeat that again? They're in the right place, listening to the wrong voices you know he listens to the wrong voice he listens to her at the wrong time she listens to a serpent a snake but you know what people do when they read the Bible unbelievers they say you Christians read this fairy tale book talking serpents you believe serpents talk well yes let me tell you why we believe that serpents talk I will show you why this is important when God created the world it was a symmetry of the invisible world It's a symmetry. So uh, below is the same as above. Don't let the New Agers teach you that's God. Below is the same as above. So watch. Adam is the same as God above. The animals are the same as the angels above. Watch closely. The angels above don't serve us. They serve God. God. The animals below don't serve God. They serve us. In the creation, the animals were designed to serve us the way angels serve God. Even though we've fallen, you know, we still use animals. Do you know that? We still ride the horses. We take them to war. We put bridles on oxen. We plow. We take the donkeys to the market. We teach whales how to jump. And in fact, man's best friend is a. Ah. So we haven't lost that truth and we get excited when we can talk to parrots and parrots talk back to us because what the Bible is teaching us is the higher sensibility of the animal kingdom before the fall. When the serpent comes to Eve, the Bible calls him a Nahash. He's a talking serpent. Watch closely. Satan is so wise, he understands that the animals serve humanity. So he knew that if the serpent talked to Eve, she would not be surprised. But if he talked to Eve, she would be surprised. So he chose an animal that has the same characteristics as he has in the spirit. In other words, He chooses an animal that is so subtle that before you know it they come upon you and they're on top of you. Oh yes. And so he comes through the animal talking to her. She listens to the wrong voice. She then speaks to him. Tells him to eat the fruit. He listens to the wrong voice. Can I show you the correction? The Bible will teach you this. They listened. Here is the correction. Watch. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit has to say. I love people. I think people love me. But watch this. My assignment is to listen to Him before I listen to people. Watch carefully now so that what people tell me should confirm what He told me. And if what He told me doesn't line up with what people are telling me, I'm going to listen to what He has told me because I'm trying to dress my garden are you following what i'm saying number two. Oh, oh! they break principles second mistake the first one is voices the second one is vehicles they break principles god said don't eat can i tell you something the bible is not really just a whole book of do's and don'ts it's a book of principles because when you obey the word of god it's vehicles taking you somewhere principles take us somewhere they break principles according to genesis 3 and 6 they take and they eat watch in the book of revelation blessed are those that keep principles that they might have right to go where to the tree of life let me stop here come on guys if you don't i'll get carried away and then i'll get in trouble at the back for breaking principles but watch this I want you to do this for me. We'll finish up the mistakes and then we'll look at what happens when God throws him out of the garden next week. But this week, I want you to make a commitment. Whatever I hear you telling me to do, God, however foolish it may sound, I'm going to keep your principles. I'm just going to listen to you. Whatever you tell me. If you tell me, lay on my right side for three hours, I'm in. Rise on your feet, everyone. I got to let you go home. I just started this. What we're going to do by God's grace in the spring, we're going to resume our Bible study. I'm going to tell you everything that's in my spirit to tell you. If you're beside a woman, I want you to know that's why the Bible teaches us that in Christ there's neither male nor female. You know when I told you that her name is Adam and his name is Adam, that's the dawn of the whole idea of when you get married, the woman does what? She takes your, and you're both Paul and Richard, but you're both brown because you're supposed to reign together with him lift your hands everyone we are going to dress our gardens no more serpents no more voices coming into this world watchmen watch woman you can drive us in worship because we now know why we're here to worship And make me a promise, everyone, even online, when you walk out of here, you will not let a day go by this week that you don't dress your garden with worship. Ah, not a second go by. Dress your garden. Dress it. It will get rid of all the thorns and the thistles of life.